episode 177 for May 2012. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices, with up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example is on the Spider-Man Nothing Can Stop the Juggernaut. This one reprints one of Spidey's best fights, and it's written by Roger Stern and penciled by John Romita Jr. It collects Amazing Spider-Man number 224 to 230. Now the cover price is 30 bucks. Mail order has it for just $18.59 which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Also add them on Facebook. Just type in MailOrderComics in the search bar. Welcome back, gang, to our May edition of the Crawl Space. Let me introduce our panel. We have a new college graduate on the line from the University of Tennessee. Welcome, Don. <laughs> Hello, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I'd like to be a college grad, sir. Um, it's a little surreal. Uh, I feel I do feel accomplished, and um, it was funny yesterday because all my pals were there. Uh, Betty Brandt showed up. Harry and uh, Harry and Flash showed up, but they weren't graduating, so they just wished wish me well. And uh, Aunt May they wasn't there, but it was fun. They, had, they didn't have the gym credit. Like, no closed circuit TV. Yeah. Um, got a job lined up, sir? Actually, I I don't have it like like defined down, but I am going to uh, look into. <laughs> Everybody on TV laughed at me for this, but like my plan is to uh, teach overseas for about a year or so around um, August. Uh, I heard that's, a, that's that's I've been told that's a very lucrative market for like uh, English majors, at least for a little while, and I'll see if, I, yeah. see if I get a writing job after that. Awesome, awesome. Well, congratulations. We're all proud of Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we have Mr. Bertoni on the line. Welcome, sir. My dad's Mr. Bertoni. You can call me Bertoni. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jr. had fine when I called him Mr. Fettinger. <laughs> How are you, John? Well, that would be where I'd make a joke about Jr.'s age, but um, I don't know. He might he might take a bottle of scotch from his son and hit me over the head with it. <laughs> yeah, there was a drinking problem on the last episode. I remember. Yeah. Speaking of drinking problem, welcome, Jr. <laughs> Well, uh, I was about to say, I don't have the drinking problem this weekend. It's Don who's probably got the drinking problem. Remember, nobody talked too loud. He partied with Grandma too much. I mean, between the the smell of beer and Ben Gay, there's no telling what shape his head is in. It sounds like Peter Parker to a T, partying with Aunt May, I'm telling you. Uh, Aunt May, every time I'm shuffling, there you oh, go. Uh, surprise, Don. It's not congr- It's not the first time I've been proven wrong. You made it. Congratulations. No doubt, Don. Thank you, Father, Mr. Osborne. <laughs> Mr. Osborne. And we have Zach. What's going on, Zach, from SpideyDude.com? Uh, driving, like I was last episode. I think I'm sensing a theme. But, driving. Uh, and Zach yeah, has exactly... But- 11 minutes to be on the show, so let's get it all in. <laughs> no, I, I will be back, I promise. It just, I, okay. There's going to be like a blind, psychic blind spot for a little bit. Oh, there. Oh, nice, nice segue. And uh, unfortunately, George couldn't make it this episode, so we called in Mr. Chris, Crazy Chris. What's going on, sir? Hey, everybody. Um, not much is going on, really. Pretty awesome. soon I'll uh, be uh, joining... Um, Donovan as a graduate in two weeks. I'm graduating from law school, so oh, wow. this will this will be uh, my last podcast as somebody who doesn't have a law degree. <laughs> so you could be our Matt Murdock and Donna's our spy- Peter. Like if you, know? if you ever have a question on whether something is rape or not rape, 
Uh, 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 I'll be I'll be the authoritative uh, source on that. It's well, what? rape. Remember. Well, it was off-panel rape, allegedly, is what we're, we're referencing. Anyway, rape. Is what the word uh, I, I want to I know if in law school there were any professors like uh, John Houseman. Uh, sorry? I, I was wondering, in law school, are there any professors like John Houseman? Can you remind me who that is? Oh, wow. You, it's the paper chase, right, J.R.? Yeah, going back yeah. To... Uh, professor, what was it, Professor um, uh, Kingsley or something? Uh, you're... you're... That was in the 80s before these kids were born, Jay. Oh, come on. It's a famous movie first. <laughs> Timothy Bottoms, Lindsay Wagner, John Houseman. John Houseman yeah. was a partner with Orson Welles back in the Mercury Theater days. Come on! I, I think... Get off JR's lawn. The, the, <laughs> the, only, uh, the only lawyer movie I've seen is Daredevil. <laughs> awesome. That's the only law movie you've ever seen? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> these goddamn kids, they don't know anything these days. The only law comic book movie that he's seen, uh, to be fair. Here, quick round of hands, or, well, this is audio, you can't raise your hands. Uh, who's seen the Avengers movie? Zach, you have, right? Uh, I saw it at midnight on Thursday. Hey, what, what's your grade? Spoiler uh, A+. Plus. Seen it. A+. Plus. What's it? A+. Plus. A+. Plus. JR, what's your grade on it? Yeah, I saw it with the boy yesterday. Uh, I don't know if I give any movie an A+, but uh, darn close. It was great. Oh, wow. Chris, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw, I saw The Midnight Show, and I would say that, like, for me, it was an A. I, I don't know if I'm being very objective, um, but if you're a Marvel fan, you're going to love it. And, uh, Bertone, you saw it, right? Yeah, I actually had a chance to go see The Midnight Show for free, but I turned it down because... Um... <laughs> I could have dressed up as the Hulk and handed out flyers at the theater. They were looking for someone to do it, and they let you into the midnight show. But I decided that I would just see it the next day um, uh, at work. I took a bunch of the kids to see it, and uh, we were all we all had a blast. There's there's some pictures of us in front. What's your grade, sir? Facebook, A plus. And Don, you and I are the only two that haven't seen it. No, I have seen it. Oh well, <laughs> I'm the only one that hasn't seen it. I'm so sorry. What's your grade, sir? Um, I would give I would give it an A. I saw it midnight with some friends, and um, as far as I, as the Marvel Studios movies go, this is easily the best. It's like one of the most fun, crowd pleasing uh, movies out there, and uh, it's definitely everything that they were hyping up. It meets the hype, and it's awesome. So a. it's so sad that the host is, has not seen the movie yet. Yeah. Well, I'm changing diapers. With great power comes great responsibility. So see the movie. Yeah. There you go. Well, no great power. You stick with the kid. You change the diapers. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you. I mean, I don't know, we might talk about more, but you Hulk fans are going to love this. Oh, I've yeah. heard that. This, oh, is, the, this is the Hulk you've been waiting for. Oh, wow. And I like the last Hulk movie, too. This is easily the best Hulk movie yeah. there has ever been. When they flashed the Marvel photo at the beginning, there was like a four-year-old in the back of the theater screaming, I knew we were watching Spider-Man! I knew it! I knew it! (laughs) Yeah, any any funny uh, theater quotes from you guys? Hulk smacked a bitch, maybe? Um, At the the scene, (laughs) I won't say that. I won't say the credits at the end, but like I, when, they, when they show the credits at the end, like the, the secret scene, I, I yell an explosive, but that's it. Oh, man. Right. Uh, and uh, I had some people going, uh, wait, who is that guy? <laughs> so I, I had nope. to explain to everybody around. Oh, you're spoiling. I know. I'm going to close my phone spring account. Hold on. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the most that we're going to say about chat. 
coming out. All right. Or you will oh. a massive site-wide strike. <laughs> you gotta love it. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, move to our news or our topics of month. Uh, CBR uh, released a in, in honor of Spider-Man's 50th anniversary, his 50 greatest friends and foes master list. I'm going to read you the top 25 of each real quick. His... According to CBR and the voters from CBR, the number we're going to go from 25 to 1 for the supporting cast. I'll read them real quick. Number 25 is Kane, 24 Prowler, 23 Oh my God, Nora Winters, 22 Puma, 21 Silver Sable, 20 Madam Web, 19 Ben Urich, 18 Wolverine, 17 Doctor Kurt Connors, 16 George Stacy, 15 Carly Cooper, good God, 14 Captain Jean DeWolf, 13 Ben Riley, woohoo, number. 12, Ben Parker. Good grief. Daredevil's more important than Ben Parker, evidently, at number 11. Then Betty Brant. There you go, Bertoni. (laughs) Betty Brant is more important than Ben Parker, evidently. Uh, Number number 9, Joe Robertson. Number 8, Harry Osborn. 7, Flash Thompson. 6, The Human Torch. 5, Gwen Stacy. 4, Black Cat. Number 3, Aunt May. Number two, J. Jonah Jameson, and number one is Mary Jane Watson. Right. So uh, before we hit the rogues, let's let's hit up our list. I, I asked the panel to do a top five of their sup- number f- top five supporting cast, number one being the most important. So here, let me read mine real quick, and then the, we can go to the rest. Okay. Uh, for the number five, for me, for supporting cast, number five is Robbie Robertson which I don't think we see enough of in the books. I like Robbie a lot. Okay. The last good Robbie arc we had, I think, was in the 90s with uh, Tombstone. Was back broken? Was, was back was broken? Uh, no, that was, <laughs> that was Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it happened, though, but okay. Number four, J. Jonah Jameson, in my book. Number three is Aunt May. Number two is Mary Jane. And number one, for my tops of five supporting cast, is Uncle Ben. I think he's had the most impact on the character. Without being around. <laughs> Without being around. He was in one book, and the book still feels Uncle Ben. Because every time he goes out, he tries to uh, avenge his death or make up for a mistake. So, JR, what's your top five going from number five to number one? Um, I may have uh, read this a little bit wrong because I didn't look at it as um, most important. I just like did my favorites. That's um, fine. The, the one I, the, I think the top five is ambiguous. However, okay. you want to rank. Uh, but I would say uh, going backward from uh, and besides that list is really screwed up. <laughs> Whoever came up with that oh list. Oh my god! Uh, I, I put number five as uh, Joe Robertson. Uh, to me, oh, nice. yeah. To me, he's the calm, fa- the calm father figure who is the glue that keeps everything together. You know. <coughs> He's the he's the keeper of all the secrets, not just Peter's, but Jonah's as well. Um, and uh, holy well, cow! Zach, 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 he's sticking his head out the car window. Please mute while Jr. goes number five for Robertson. <laughs> uh, number four, uh, Harry, uh, the tortured soul with a complicated relationship with his dad, and every hero needs a best buddy. Um, Number three, uh, actually, Gene DeWolf. I just, I love tough women characters. I just, I don't know. I just do. Felicia Hardy, before she was ruined. Uh, the, bad, you know, the bad, the bad girl who is no good. She, the bad girl with a heart of gold who is, no, who is no good for our hero, and they both know it. 
And then number one, Mary Jane Watson, not just the girlfriend or the wife, but the life partner that completes us, you know. So that's my uh, my supporting cast list. Because mine was mine. Ours was pretty close, but where's Uncle Ben rank on yours of the supporting cast, you think? Well, like I said, these were favorites, so okay. it wasn't like important or anything like that. So this was like a, fa- a favorite character that I liked, and I like to see continually recur and and uh, stories with. Uncle Ben is, is not really so much of a character as he is a motive. Uh, yeah, that's, so, that's very true. And an idea, really, in a way, that Peter tries to live up to. Bertoni, top five supporting cast for Spider-Man. Go. All right. Um, I don't really have a very good criteria for this, but I'm thinking people that are currently participating, at least within the last few years, and like th- this is in importance. And I would definitely say Mary Jane first, just because of all she's done. J. Jonah Jameson, because it's if you would erase J. Jonah Jameson from existence in the Spider-Man books, you would have a completely, entirely different series these past you know few decades. Mm-hmm. And I'd say Robbie, to, um, I'd add Robbie to that. Um, I'm not really going in any particular order after Mary Jane and, Ro- and uh, Jonah, but it's he's he, he was become a very good counter to Jonah and shown another side of the Daily Bugle, because before Robbie came along, the Daily Bugle was just basically, you know, Jonah yelling, Betty Brandt mooning, and Frederick Foswell twirling his mustache in the back. <laughs> nice. And I, I think it made the world of the Daily Bugle get a lot bigger. On, what was it? What issue did Robbie come in? It was, it was in the 50s. 51, right? right? 51. 50, I think it's 51 or 52. Uh, jo- jo- right. Jonah was kidnapped, and Robbie appears from, like, out of nowhere. Ned Leeds is, like, on the phone, like, we must call Robertson. And Ned's behind, and Robbie's behind Ned. He's like, I'm already here, Ned. <laughs> nice. And, uh, nice. Okay. I think that's five. No, isn't that, it? that's, uh, that's. Is that four? That's three. Oh, my bad. Uh, Aunt May, um, look, love Aunt May or hate Aunt May or think that she served her purpose or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's if you removed her from Spider-Man, it's you, you can't. The way that the book is, it it, it wouldn't be the same. And right. for the number five spot, that is a really hard one. I would have to vacillate between Harry and Flash. I think that Harry has added a lot more drama because of the Osborne connection, but there was a, there was a time where Flash was a great foil to Peter and added a lot to the books. Uh, Tom Brevoort made a point though, right before Brand New Day, that like Flash hasn't served a purpose in a long time before he became Venom. You know, he was yeah. he was kind of just Peter's friend from high school. Uh, are, are we discussing the CBR list or just saying our list? Oh, feel free. What, what's your thoughts on the CBR list? I'm really surprised that Felicia is so far up the list because to me, Felicia. She's a very good character, and she's one of my favorite characters. Like, I probably enjoy her more than the Harry Osborne or something. Sorry, Jr. But I don't think <laughs> I think that if you remove Felicia from Spider-Man continuity, it wouldn't have like as big of an impact as like some of these other characters would. To me, Felicia's like a very important character, and but she's like a guest star, like someone that if yeah. this was a TV show, she'd show up like, you know, once or twice a season. She's not, you know, a regular supporting character to the vein of a Robbie Robertson or something. And She hasn't been a regular uh, supporting cast member since the late 80s with Bill Mantlow, I think. But uh, She was kind of a supporting 90s. character in the 90s for a brief period when she was dating Flash, but... Um, you know, it's even then, like, all she really was is Flash's arm candy who would wink at Peter, like, oh, you're going off to fight Venom. Wink, wink. You know, even though right. Flash can hear everything I'm saying, do you need my help somehow? <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's a good list. Uh, let's do Zach. What's your top five supporting villains or supporting 
cast members, go from number five to number one. All right, from number five. This is no surprise to anybody, but Ben Riley. Uh, I've got Ben because I mean the guy was the closest thing he ever had to a brother. I mean that that's important to me at least. What about Harry? Uh, number f- number four. <laughs> uh, I, I, I wasn't finished. Number four. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Harry Osborne is the best friend for Peter Parker, uh, and I think as good, if not better. Well, as good of a Green Goblin as Norman ever was. Number two, or number three, excuse me, I can count. Um, <laughs> that would be Norman Osborn, the ultimate villain. Um, he, he's the best friend's dad. He's, he's just the, there's so much history between the two characters. Um, you, you can't go wrong with it. Number two, um, I'm going to say Aunt May, as much as I hate the old bat, uh, she is she is the constant reminder of the fact that Uncle Ben is no longer around, although she likes to shack up with a bunch of dudes and uh, you know <laughs> so it's kinda that's kinda she is the mother figure for Peter Parker, so that's an important figure in a man's life. Uh but right. number one, uh, just like what JR said, the Mary Jane Watson. There could be nobody else but Mary Jane. Uh, I, I think there would have been a riot in the internet streets if the CBR article had put anybody else but Mary Jane. She is such an integral part of, of the Spider-Man universe. She's so connected to Spider-Man, uh, both and both the alter ego and the uh, and the and the other side. So I mean, it's just. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about Parallel Lives, Dan Slott, it, you know, it is in continuity thanks to Untold Tales of Spider-Man. That's what made it officially in continuity, really. Uh-huh. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, eat that, Dan Slott. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Chris, what's your top five supporting characters? Five to number one. All right, so I think, Brad, you're correct that Uncle Ben has had the most impact, but... Like Jr., I don't see him as such a supporting character just because he's not really in the stories anymore, except for as a memory. So you know, maybe he can be an honorable mention um, okay. on the list. Mary Jane, for the same reason as everyone else, and these are in no particular order. Um, I'm, I'm winging it a little bit. Uh, who's your number one then? Who's the most important? Who's the most important. Because I think everybody said Mary Jane, haven't they? Or except for me. I think, yeah, I think it has to be Mary Jane because she's been a... I mean, she was his wife. She's his most frequent partner um, and confident. So I would say say Mary Jane. I mean, in terms of uh, fans on the Internet, nobody, you know, seems to stir up as strong feelings as Mary Jane and... Right. No one seems to stir up as strong feelings as Mary Jane when it comes to Marvel editors and and writers <laughs> as well. Um, so you know, like nice. so much debate has centered around her. So I think it's a no-brainer that uh, you know maybe Aunt May is a um, contender for uh, having that much impact because she's been there since the beginning and she's always been there and has played an important role as a mother figure. Um, Aunt May is on my list, and in t- terms of uh, favorite characters, Aunt May, as written by JMS, is a favorite character of mine. I okay. don't so much yeah. I don't so much like her now that she doesn't know Peter's identity anymore because I I feel like it makes her role in the story more shallow. Um, I like J. Jonah Jameson. Um, 
I like Gwen Stacy a lot. She's obviously... That's, you're, you're the first to say Gwen, I've noticed. Is, isn't he? I don't think anybody mentioned Gwen in the top five. CBR mentioned her, which which surprised right. me. But, um, and, I was gonna. And, and, but yeah, he's he's the first one. Yeah. And JR, yours, yours didn't have Gwen, did it? No, not at all. No. To explain Gwen, Chris. Well, in terms of impact, um, she's probably... Her dying is probably uh, Spider-Man's greatest failure. The uh, imagery of the her falling off the bridge has been repeated in the movie, and um, yeah, and, and in, you know, and in the comics over and over again, he always goes if, back to that. If bridge. Gwen is, is Spider-Man's biggest failure, is the burglar or in Uncle Ben's death the Peter's biggest failure? Yeah, I think I think you could. I mean, that could, that makes sense. I mean, because cause I the, would, pro- the problem is he didn't okay. act. So sorry, sorry, Chris. Oh yeah. Well, what I was saying is, you know, the pro- the problem with uh, Uncle Ben was that he ch- failed to act, and I think that's a Peter Parker problem. Spider Man doesn't fail to act. It's just that in this case, Spider Man acting wasn't enough. So I think Gwen is- shows him that he isn't perfect, no matter how hard he tries, and mm-hmm. he'll always yeah. fall short. And being Spider Man will hurt the people around him. You know, Uncle Ben died because. Um, Peter didn't act as Spider-Man at the time. Gwen died because he was Spider-Man, because the Green Goblin wanted a way to hurt him as Spider-Man. Right. Um, right. So that, I think, adds a layer of guilt. Um, right. I think you got one more, don't you? You got Mary Jane, Aunt May, uh, Gwen Stacy. I think I got so two more, then. Let, let's, go with, oh, okay. let's go with Flash, because I really like Venom. And, okay. <laughs> uh, let's, let's go with, here's, here's one that no one's thought of. Captain George Stacy. Mm, yeah, um, really. Yeah, and I, I like him because he's the one guy who sort of just figures out that Peter is Spider-Man because he's not stupid. Uh, I think Robbie has is sort of like that too. Um, but I, I kind of liked reading those issues with George Stacy, where he's sort of slyly alluding and hinting to the fact that he knows what's going on just because he's able to see what everyone else can't yeah. see, maybe because they're too close to it or maybe because... I've often thought that Robbie knew. I think you can make yeah. the argument that both of them knew because they were both yeah. like collaborating to figure out who Spider-Man was. The specific scene that I always I got a clue in was in Craven's Last Hunt. is when he went to visit Mary Jane in the apartment. Well, Mary Jane went to visit him, actually, didn't it? Oh, is it reversed? Yeah, I, I think that was, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that was the kind of the tacit acknowledgement that not only did Robbie know, but Mary Jane knew that Robbie knew. Uh, but it was something that neither one of them could talk about because Mary Jane runs out and says, even if he does know, I can't tell him. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I think Robbie. My my opinion. I always thought Robbie knew right after Peter came back from London to uh, back in like '96 or something. Uh, he brought back pictures uh, of Spider-Man, and Robbie looks at him and goes, "You know, you were very lucky to get these." And <laughs> and Peter says, "Oh shit! Oh said, yeah! I was, I was so worried about Gwen putting two and two together. I never thought about Robbie." <laughs> and then Robbie just, you know, changes his demeanor, big smile, and says, "Oh, these are great, Peter. Yeah, go pick up your check." And and I, I think he, you know, he might have suspected, or you know, I mean, you know, you have to suspect, but I think at that time it was he knew. Uh, I mean, anyway, that's getting off topic. Well, I think you could make the argument even then, like in the same time, uh, like like the next issue or a couple of issues later after uh, Gwen dies, 
Uh, he says, oh, I've known that girl for years. I don't want to believe it. Then Spider-Man shows up really disheveled and shaking. He could probably figure it out by then. Yeah. Cool. In the Clone Saga, when uh, Ben Riley was Spider-Man and was wearing the Spider-Bank costume, he shows up at the Daily Bugle, and Peter's there, like, going over photos with Robbie and Jonah. And Robbie looks at Peter and looks at Spider-Man, and his face is, like, really, really shocked seeing the two of them together in the same room. And Spider-Man even says, what's the matter, Robbie? Surprised to see me and Peter together? So Robbie's <laughs> reaction there, like, it, it, it shows that he at least suspected, you know, like, because he was... Why else would he be surprised to see them in the same room? And, of, of course, there's the issue after Civil War where um, Jonah's, Jonah's reacting to uh, um, finding out that Peter is Spider-Man, and Robbie says, you know, how, how could you not know? Um, <laughs> so I think that, that, that scene at was least... That, was that in that friendly neighborhood yes, issue? the one that uh, okay. Zach, David did. Zach is yeah. responsible for. Yeah. Good issue. Good, good job, Zach. <laughs> Um, he's, he's, long go- he's long gone, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, that was five, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do CBR's oh, top. Oh, Don, did I not do you? <laughs> no. I'm so sorry. Go ahead, Don. If there's ways you can look at this list, I would say uh, I'm, I'm trying to go for in terms of like, important to Peter Parker as a person as Spider-Man. That's kind of what I did. Um, number five, I would say, is Flash Thompson, which, and I would say that because Flash is like literally like one of he was there from the beginning, and him being there uh, since he makes Fancy Fifteen, and Flash has grown as much as Peter has. I think I don't think that they're, I think that they probably should be best friends after everything they've gone through, but maybe they aren't. But I think that Flash does sort of. Sh- he kind of represents where Peter's come from and kind of shows just how it's he's sort of like another reminder of, or sort of a mirror of how his life has changed. I think mm-hmm. you could argue that Flash is like important to him in that way. Uh, right above that at four would be Harry Osborn because Harry, uh, sort, of, some, sort of similarly, but even more intensified, Harry is sort of like the best friend who was tainted by not only his father, but by Spider-Man. I think if Peter wasn't Spider-Man, Maybe Harry would still be messed up because his father was the Green Goblin, but because they're best friends, it's sort of it, – I don't think Peter had any, any fault in this, but just by nature of who he is, Harry's life was changed and messed up, and it, it ended at one point, and then it didn't. But uh, I think Harry would be important to them in that way. Uh, number three would probably be Aunt May because you can't deny – she raised the guy, and – I, th- I think, Brad, that you do have a point that, you know, I don't agree that she needs to be around so he could remember, oh, right, Uncle Ben died mm-hmm. because of me. But I will concede right. that her being around does sort of show Peter where he comes from, at least from as a person. And she does provide that sort of like, you know, she does, she does provide that, t- that uh, tether that keeps him as like the boy who grew up without parents as opposed to just Spider-Man. Uh, right. Number two would be J. Jonah Jameson. Partially because I, I like the guy, partially because there is that dynamic of, you know, my employer is the guy who's trying to kill me through the paper. And, um, <laughs> I, and I think that now with him as the mayor, you know, and being written very badly, uh, he, does, he does provide a very, very interesting dynamic in terms of how Peter is perceived through the media, not just through supervillains. And um, right. number one would be Carly Cooper because – never mind. Oh! <laughs> uh, number one is uh, Mary Jane Watson Parker. I mean Mary Jane Watson. Well, no, you got it, you got it right the first time. <laughs> Why Mary Jane? Why does it have to be Mary Jane? Because Mary Jane is, I think she's really interesting as a comic conception because she wasn't created to be his love interest. Like, like when Stan created her, she wasn't created to be his wife. 
she was out of the books for of, of several years. She, when, even when she came back and they, they knew that – we knew that she knew his, his identity, they didn't automatically go together. But it was such a realistic, natural progression. I will, I'll say that again, a realistic, natural progression of how they came together and grew together as you know, lovers and friends and life partners that it makes it all the more important that it wasn't destined from the you – know, at least in terms of like the, the writing conception of it. It wasn't destined from the game, but it ended up that way. That's how life works. And Spider-Man is supposed to be a reflection of life despite the fact that he's a superhero. And then Mary Jane turned out to be the woman, you know, the most important character you know, to him, at least, in terms of who he loved. That, I think, is a perfect mirror of what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man, the fact that she ended up with him in that way. If you think about it, they don't – the current uh, creators, or I guess for a long time, they don't want the characters to advance too much. They don't want them to get out of high school – too much. They don't want too much progression. And as you were saying, this is a natural progression of years of two people being together. I think it's a difference of opinion on how to tell a story because I think yeah. the idea is Spider-Man is supposed to be the every guy, and the every guy isn't a set uh, a set trope. And the every guy is somebody who grows along with other people. And I think that right. the current creators, and I'm, I'm not trying to slack them, but like the current creators at, at some point want to return to a status quo that's comfortable, and I think it's just a disagreement of how to tell a story. Hey, I've got a question. Do, do, yeah. Does the every guy um, have a team of scientists that invent mind control cell phones to control sand people? <laughs> I do. Dude, I don't know. I don't know what kind of people you're hanging out with. That that app is too expensive. It's like ninety nine cents. So I'm out. <laughs> it's just like the the point is that I don't even think like they're even trying to make him an every guy anymore. Yeah. We'll get into that on the reviews, yeah. but let's finish this top five list. We're going to hit the rogues gallery. This is what CBR thought, the readers of CBR thought, were the top 25 rogues uh, of Spider-Man. Number 25, Mr. Negative. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number 24, Hobgoblin, Jason McIndale. Uh, the Jason McIndale version? <laughs> yeah. Are you, that's yeah. like the wimpiest one ever. <laughs> Number 23, the Juggernaut is... They're at number 22, the Hobgoblin, Phil Urich. <laughs> you're, you're, no, now you're messing with me. I'm reading this, sir. 21, the Burglar. Number 20, Moreland. 19, Morbius. 18, the Chameleon. 17, the Shocker. 16, the Green Goblin, Harry Osborn. Number 15, Carnage. Number 14, Jackal. Number 13, Mac Gargan, the Scorpion slash Venom. Okay. Number 12, the Vulture. Okay. The Vulture's more impactful than the Juggernaut? I don't know about that. Um, let's see, where was I? Uh, 11, Rhino. 10, Electro. 9, Sandman. 8, Mysterio. 7, Lizard. 6, Kingpin. 5, Hobgoblin. Roderick Kingsley. 4, Craven the Hunter. 3, Venom. Eddie Brock. 2, Doc Ock. And number 1, JR, here you go. Green Goblin, <laughs> Norman Osborn. <laughs> I wonder why. Well, we hit Jr. up first. We'll hit him up against for the vi uh, villains. Wh what do you think of the list? And let's hear your top five from five to one. <laughs> well, I don't think much of the list. Um, I, I, you know, we 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 can spend a lot of time debating the list, so I won't do that. But uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's hear your five. Okay, sure. Number uh, sort of in order, but more more because they're a particular type than you know favorites. But uh, number five, I've got Mysterio. 
mm-hmm. because I, I, he, to me, he's a play, he's a classic gimmick villain. You know, he has no superpowers. Uh, you know, he has no uh, he has no uh, magnetic backpack that you know gives him superpowers when he's an old man. I mean, I do like the Vulture, but but Mysterio is just strictly a gimmick villain. You know, and uh, I, I like the way he's been written recently because I I like the fact that he's got a kind of a goofy sense of humor. You know, and and, and most of you know most villains are pretty dour, unintelligent characters. Mysterio is a very intelligent, uh, witty character. Uh, and he's also yep. a bad guy. So I like I, I, I like Mysterio. Um, number four, I'm going to say the first Clone Saga Jackal. Um, mm. I liked. I mean, when when I started reading in the the mid 70s, the Jackal, the the who is the Jackal? That was my first who is this villain mystery? You know, yeah. who is the Jackal? You know, and you know, and of course, you know, I'm I'm you know. Uh, uh, you know, eleven, twelve years old, trying to figure out who the jackal is, and of course, I I didn't guess it because I'm not, you know. But in, and I liked that it was Professor Warren. Uh, I liked the fact that you know there was this. Not since the Green Goblin was dead, there was another villain with this really intense personal connection to Spider-Man. Uh, and then he was just ruined. They gave him. <laughs> they gave him. Well, they turned him into a big ball of fur for no good reason. And then they gave him this stupid sense of humor that was not Miles Warren. I mean, it, it just. But but first pre, you know, I could go on. But the first, the, the original Jackal was one of my favorites. Uh, the Kingsley Hobgoblin. Um, you know, he was a goblin, but he was he was just he was without Norman psychosis. He was just so cool, calm, collected. He was kind of a master planner in his own way, and he just he, he wasn't a cackling madman. He just liked being a bad guy. You know, yeah. he and he got bored with it, like, you know, at at a point he got bored with it, you know, and then he came back because he got, you know, he got bored not being it, you know. It, so I, I kind of like that. Um, Doc Ock is a classic mad scientist villain. You know, the you know, you guys were talking about his, um, you know, super villain speech and speechifying. But but Doc Ock is the villain, one of the one Spider-Man villain, I think, who can get away with that that deranged speechifying. You know, this is my master plan. I am the most evil guy in the world. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about you that. Know, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that today. Well, but but I, to me, he's the one Spider-Man villain who can get away with that. Uh, and the number one, the Hypno Hustler. But I mean, obviously, it's Norman. Uh, again, I, I don't have the time to talk about it, but Norman is the monster within us or the monster that walks among us. He's the tormented soul who takes out his anger and rage and hate at everyone around him. And uh, he's, I, I just love he's a complex, dynamic character. Uh, and, um, you know, so he's, he's always been my fave. And now he's in Tidy Whitey's and he's, yeah, he's now his mind is Now his mind is fried and his body is, well, that's his own fault. Yes, I know. He'll, he'll get better. Uh, just what Steve Josh, Dicko intended when he created him. Yeah. Now, did Josh O'Clank. Oh, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> Josh, let's hear your top five, sir. A villain. Oh, wasn't Jr. having something to say? No, I thought you were. I I I didn't realize you were actually making a joke. Uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say that Ditko actually now is saying that he intended Norman to be the villain. But I was. I where did Ditko say this? He he did a rant around the time of Civil War that was like really. You guys covered it like in oh, like yeah. the early Crawl Space episodes with the original lineup. 
back when uh, Pete Best was still your drummer and stuff. <laughs> no, I, I I remember Ditko doing a little drawing of Spider-Man and how much he created and how much Stan created. But I don't remember him talking about Norman. Oh, this was like a long internet rant because, like, I guess Joe Casada said something about breaking the toys and putting them back together as a metaphor, and Steve Ditko's right. like, ah, but the toys, you know, in an abstract form are actually Ayn Rand and. Um, philosophy and um but by the way i created norman osborne just so you know anyway um toys and abstract it it was like it was long and very uh sounds like it i'll have to look that up josh let's hear your five going from five to one okay um oh i wanted to do one first because it's easier to count down so you're the only one that does it the opposite way (laughs) maybe i'm dyslexic dun 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 um harry osborne one, because I want to be different, and two, because uh, even though he hasn't, like, given Peter the tragedies that Norman has, like the miscarriage or the non-miscarriage, whatever's going on in Contouring, the dead Gwen, um, when when I read those Harry Osborn as Green Goblin stories, especially in the 90s with uh, Dematis, to me, like, the emotional stakes feel a lot higher than they do in the Norman Osborn stories. Like, Peter just wants to kick Norman's butt. Uh, maybe that's just a generalization, but with Harry... There's a lot more mixed feelings, you know, and you have, you know, his uh, Liz Allen upstairs, like, shaking, you know, smiling. Everything's all right. And Mary Jane yelling at Peter for how dare you fight Harry Osborne. You know, he's your friend, even though he's trying to kill you. And even Peter having mixed message about it. And it's the because you saw him, like, you know, go through college with Peter, you know, like sit with him at the coffee bean. And they've had all this stuff together. You know, it's. It, it, it's it's different to see them at each other's throats than it is with him and someone like Norman. Uh, of course, yeah. Norman would be number two. I don't have to say why. I mean, come on, it's Norman Osborn. Dr. Octopus, number three. And the funny thing is, like, Dr. Octopus hasn't had as many of the high-stakes personal stories as, you know, the Green Goblin has. He's just, you know, he just fought Spider-Man a lot of times, and he's an intellectual guy, and he's a Lee Dicko villain. But, I mean, yeah. I can't, like... Dr. Octopus never really had a night when Stacy died or, you know, uh, or God forbid, Gatter. What about Captain Stacy? He killed Captain Stacy. The bricks killed. Technically, Peter killed Captain Stacy. Like, it's like, he's like, aha, with this web fluid, your tentacles will go crazy. Oh, no, your tentacles are going crazy. And now it knocked over a brick that is going to hit a child, but hit Captain Stacy instead. Like, it's. Doc Ock kind of indirectly killed Captain Stacy, and he was, it wasn't even a voluntary motion. Well, he killed uh, Bennett Branch, as a, of course. No, he didn't. Blackie Gaxton did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that Doc Ock's not important, but I mean, you know, I mean, he's number three on my list. But that's just because, you know, he's he's the very iconic Spider-Man villain. I mean, he also almost married Aunt May. I guess you know that kind of. Oh, that's that's an insult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and honestly, it's really, really hard for me to do, like, you know, a four and five. I mean, because there's a lot of big, important lead to co-villains and stuff, but just, I can't think of anyone who's accomplished, you know, what, um, you know, what the goblins have. I mean, Venom was very, very popular. I mean, I put him on there for that alone and for, you know, the stakes that he caused. And he, you know what, I, and I will put Venom on there for another reason, actually, as number four, because he is... It's very hard to name a villain that was created after the Ramita run who stuck around. And Venom is one of the few that has. And I think that that's very important. Like, name a new 90s villain that's still around. Carnage. Carnage. 
<laughs> yeah, but Carnage is derivative of Venom, though. So yeah, yeah. Uh, facade. Oh, no. <laughs> facade is classic. You know. <laughs> um, and and I'll put Hobgoblin as number five. You know, Ooh. because it's, hey, I, I'll take you up on your challenge for Tony. Kane. Okay. Yeah, Kane is still around. <laughs> he went away for a while, though. Yeah, he went away for, but but he is still around, and he has his own series, which which I hope lasts a while. I, I legitimately do. And th- there's a lot of exceptions to the rule. Like, if you look at these lists, like, look at our supporting characters list and look at our villains list. How many of these people are people that came around after the Ramita run? Yeah. It's, um... There's, there's one on my list of five. Okay, yeah. I mean, and, and that's not to say that they're not there, but, like, you know, just the way it is. So I guess um, Harry, Norman, Doc Ock... Venom and Hobgoblin, the Roger Kingsley Hobgoblin, not Jason McIndale. How did he get on that list? But <laughs> for Jason, serious, that's the most impotent of all the Hobgoblins. I'm funny, Jason, Jason McIndale was the Hobgoblin in the 90s animated series. Maybe that's why. <laughs> he was oh, yeah. even an ineffectual wimp in there, you know, like begging the Green Goblin for mercy. <laughs> well, he is Jason McIndale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That's what Jason McIndale does best. Don, let's hear your top five villains. Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the script a bit because I I think I'm gonna just do my favorites kind of. Okay, it's, it's fine. Kind of, after Norman Osborn, I think it's kind of hard to say which one impacted Spider Man the most. Uh honorable mentions uh, go to the Jackal and um, to Hobgoblin. Um, <laughs> uh, number five is probably Carnage, because I grew up in the 90s, and, like, there's still a part of me that recognizes, even though Carnage is kind of, like, a, a really dumb idea, there's still a part of me that w- looks, at that, looks at that Mark Bagley artwork and, like, yeah, that's where it's at. Um, <laughs> Carnage is awesome! Rerules! And that kind of stuff. Do you like the n- recent miniseries? I've not read Carnage past the 90s. <laughs> oh, okay. Which is probably a bad idea, but... <laughs> well, he, took o- he took over a town. I heard Cletus Cassidy's back, which is cool. Yeah, he he's, doesn't have legs either. Really? Yeah, or exactly. <laughs> okay. Anyway, remember, remember uh, the Sentry ripped him in half in Avengers One. Yeah, oh, that's why I thought that. Like, that's why I thought killed him. But apparently, like Marvel said, gotcha, and didn't. But nope. um, nope. Anyway, uh, number four is a tie between Morlin and the Jackal. Morlin because I love that story. Jackal because uh, literally, I when I came into Spider Man, Jackal was the main bad guy, and he's done so much to Peter. Um, I agree. Uh, on Clone Side Chronicles, reading him again, he's extremely irritating. Uh, JR is right. His sense of humor does is like out of character for him, and he's very, very annoying. But at the same time, like he is, he he screwed Spider-Man badly, and you can't really discount that. Although you could. Um, number th- number three is Venom, because uh, I, I I genuinely like Venom. I mean, again, I I, re- I can recognize what doesn't work with the character, but there's just something so indelible about like his look, and you go back to the McFarlane Michelinie issues where like. Uh, the doorbell is knocking, like, like and um, yeah. And he's like, oh, "May I'll get it?" And like, Eddie's like, "Hi, PD." And it's like, "That's that's that's cool." And like, I don't think anyone else has done that besides Norman every every now and then. Um, right. And he, then he started hanging clothes with Aunt May. That was creepy. Yeah, and like, and like, Peter's like, you know, like, yeah. like, don't mess with her. He's like, "Oh, Parker, I would never mess with her. She's an innocent." But you, on the <laughs> other hand. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah. Number two is Doc Ock because he's the he's, he's like the number one mad villain. Um, I do 
despite my reviews, I really love Dr. Octopus. Um, I love in the, in the Stan Lee run when Peter comes home, I think the issue ends with Doc Ock having tea, or maybe it begins. Peter Parker, like, as his spider sense goes off and, like, he bursts the door. And, um, Doc Ock is sitting there with tea. He's like, oh, Parker, my, your aunt's been telling me about you, that you're a science major. I dabble a bit in science myself because I'm a villain. More ha ha ha. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> And, and I and I really enjoyed him like most most all of them it's like in, in the '90s where he goes like you know of course you'll obey me uh, you're under the complete control of Doctor Octopus he, he's he's cheesy and he's awesome um, and number yeah. one is uh, Norman um, I will say again going back when I was a kid Norman wasn't around I did not know the impact that the, uh, the Green Goblin had besides killing Gwen Stacy and then dying immediately but like obviously with um, with uh, Paul Jenkins story and uh, Warren Ellis's issues that I've never read. And like all the other issues that I've gone back on, like he is the preeminent Spider-Man villain. Okay. And Chris, let's hear yours, buddy. All right. So these are strictly my favorites, and um, I, I might change my mind later. I reserve the right to be like, what was I thinking? Um, putting Carnage over Norman Osborn or something like that. And um, <laughs> <laughs> num- number five, uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, Spencer Smythe, another um, mad wow. Smythe. Yeah, digging back. Um, not <laughs> not, not uh, Alistair Smythe. That guy sucks. Um, but, but, uh, but Spencer, the the, the original um, Spider Slayer maker. Uh, yeah, the OG. Um, and 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 it's it's a lot of what what people are saying they like about Doc Ock. I like about him because, you know, he's the mad scientist proving his superiority by making robots. And I think the main reason I like him so much is just that for whatever reasons, the stories that he's been in happen to be really good. Uh, I think like that. In my opinion, uh, you can't overlook the great visual of Doc Ock, which is another thing which makes Venom attractive, I think. Well, I'm talking about Spencer Spike now. Um, I'm so sorry. I'll get to, I'll get to Doc Ock, I promise. But um, the the the, uh, the Spencer uh, stories that I like are the the first one where J. Jonah Jameson hires him, and then I like the one where he uh, hooks a bomb to J. Jonah Jameson and Spider Man and handcuffs them together with a bomb in between them. And I thought that was a really awesome story, just because Spider Man and J. Jonah Jameson were hooked to a bomb together and had to work together and. JR, what issue number was that? 191 and 192. Wow. Um, that was <laughs> I fast. I knew it. it. Um, okay. N- n- number four, I agree with uh, CBR. I'm going with Craven um, because of one story, the one where he died. And um, I'm not saying I think he's better off dead because he sucks. I'm saying that that story, I really, really loved it. And it made Craven really, really badass, and um, a uh, someone who could take on Spider-Man, someone who looked really savage and dangerous, and 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 made him into a darker character, um, and uh, you know, so so that left an impact on me. Um, number three, Norman Osborn. Um, same reasons everybody else is saying. I don't need to go over that again. Um, number two, and I was serious, Carnage. Um, awesome. Yeah, there's just dead air now. They're like, this is why, wow. this is why they're calling me crazy, Chris. 
I think Carnage is a really, really fun villain, and I like him better than Venom because the character of Eddie Brock, I think his motivation is a little bit dumb, and I and I think mm. like they tr- the the weird convoluted aspects to his character, like is he does he want to protect innocence? Does he want to um, kill Spider-Man? Because because what like Spider-Man revealed that his story was fake. It doesn't. It's it's kind of stupid. But Carnage solves that problem because he doesn't have motivations and he doesn't have nuances, so they can't be stupid. And he's just a simple, fun, violent character with cool powers that Spider-Man can fight, and it can just be fun. Um, yeah. Number one, Doc Ock. Uh, and because I do enjoy the Mad Scientist. I do enjoy the the visual to him. I uh, I think there just is a shortage of villains who um, can stand up to Spider-Man intellectually and physically and be just like a fun comic book villain. And so Doc Ock is my favorite. Okay. I think it's just me left, right? Yes, sir. Uh, number five, Venom. I totally agree with what Chris said on Venom. I wish Venom had a better origin and I thought the third Spider-Man movie did it pretty a lot better than the uh actual comic book. But number 5 is Venom for me. Uh the I guess I rank them as how much influence it's had on Spider-Man. Not particularly my favorites, but how much of if he if Spider-Man were to name his top 5 villains, this is who he'd say. So that's kind of how I <laughs> Venom at the top. <laughs> No, Venom's not at the top for me. Okay, okay. No, Venom's five. five. Okay. Uh, number four, the Jackal. You can't overlook the '90s. How much impact the Jackal had on on uh, Spider-Man and cloning his girlfriend and all that mess, and giving him a, a tips to brother. Uh, number three, Doc Ock. Um, I don't think Doc Ock has been written well in a good ten, fifteen years. Um, sadly, I think the the '90s Doc Ock. I remember that origin that Tom DeFalco did in the one good issue of Spider-Man Unlimited. Um, what did you think of also, the uh, JMS Doc Ock? It was okay, but he was fighting some some other guy, wasn't he? Some uh, was named Carlisle. Ha- yeah, Carlisle Calamari. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I didn't really care for that. And the '90s Doc Ock of the where he looked like the Matrix, like Neo, where he he was slimmed down and he had. The, the trench coat and the etc. I like the Doc Ock in the white white tux that Eric Larson did. Yeah, that that too. The John Byrne from Web of Five, Doc Ock. Anyway, Doc Ock. Uh, and and as a kid of the eighties, Doc Ock was my number one villain because Norman was long gone before I I got to reading. But when it happened, when Norman died and got better in the nineties at the end of the Clone Saga, I think he inched up a lot on people's lists and the impact he's had on Spider-Man. So number two is Norman Osborn for me. And kind of like I said, Uncle Ben for number one, I think the burglar is number one for villain for most impactful for Spider-Man. Oh, for sure. He's, uh, um, he was in the first issue and or amazing fantasy 15. And he was in issue 200 of amazing. So I think he's always trying to undo that wrong. So number one burglar for me. All right, let's 
move on to another our other spider topics. If I could get them in front of me, we started this conversation about 14 hours ago. <laughs> uh, let's see what else is on the agenda. I think we're going to talk about weird spider collectibles. And if you go, look on the front page, I often spotlight some, and, I, I, and some recent ones that are tied into the movie and that have been released recently are very unique, and I want to get the gang's opinion on this. So the very first one is related to the Amazing Spider-Man movie. It's called the Spider-Man Toaster. Evidently, you put a piece of bread in this toaster, and you could, quote, wake up with Spider-Man, as it says on the box. And, <laughs> and, on, and on the bread, it imprints a Spider-Man, the logo from his back, the spider symbol. So, gang, what do you think of the Spider-Man toaster? JR, you getting this for Spencer? Or yourself? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm i at the stage of my life where I'm actually thinking of liquidating things instead of adding to them. But, yeah. but this thing looks like it would work maybe once. or, or <laughs> And then burn the house down. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it like, this definitely looks like it would set the house, like a space heater or something, you know. Uh, I, I wouldn't get anywhere near this thing. <laughs> Any thoughts on the spider toaster? Seriously, you guys, uh, <laughs> I would. It's Spider-Man merchandise. It's. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna you're gonna see his name on everything from bicycles. It doesn't, actually toast, to, it doesn't actually toast the bread. It's toast like like a small part of it to make the symbol. Or like it toasts the bread, but like toasts it darker in the middle somehow. It's. I mean, Spider-Man's yeah. always been over merchandise. It's just gonna be ramped up to eleven for this movie. I've, I I would have never thought if I was thinking in marketing. I'm like, you know what? Let's make a deal with the toaster company. We're gonna put Spider-Man on it. Hey, I eat the devil. I eat the. <laughs> Bill, Chris, Bill Mantlo and Jim Shooter will have an argument. You can't give him an illegitimate child. He's on toasters. <laughs> Chris, you rushing out to the the store to buy the toaster? No. Okay. <laughs> Are you? And a few words. No. Well, you know what? I, I think it's thirty bucks. That's a lot, and I'm probably just to sit on my shelf. But that's damn weird. Yeah, However, an item, if I did see it in the store, I might pick this up. I think they sell them at Williams Sonoma. That's about a hundred miles away from me. The Spider-Man ice cube tray. Evidently, you pour water in this ice cube tray, and at the bottom of the tray is the Spider-Man circle head. Like you see. The I do like that. For whatever reason, I think that's really nice. I, I think that's really cute too. Anybody else? What do you think of the ice cube tray? Well, we had a we uh, one of your uh, front page uh, respondents said that he had them and they don't work that well. Um, well you know, yeah, which it doesn't surprise me. I mean, if if it if it worked and came out with you know pretty sharp looking ice cubes, that would it would be kind of neat. But you know, one I think I saw at Amazon they're selling for like what eleven or twelve bucks for basically an etched. Holy piece. cow! Yeah, I mean it's a piece of plastic, you know. Uh, you know, so it's it's too much for what it is. But uh, as far as gimmicks go, it's it's certainly not the worst. They they also have like bat symbols where you can put bat symbols in your eyes yes. and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. Bertone, you like it? Chris, you like it? It's all right. Yeah. I'm not. I mean, uh, I don't really think when I'm making ice, like you know what would make look awesome? <laughs> Peter Parker. <laughs> I'm a I'm a fan of crushed ice myself, so I don't. Oh, I hate crushed I ice. Like crushed oh. ice. Yeah, I like I like filling a I like filling a glass a tall glass to the top with crushed ice and then putting Coke in that. That that that's that's the way I like ice. You must like Sonics. Sonic <laughs> Ocean, o- was it Ocean Splash or something? 
I like I like the way that they serve their drinks at Sonic. Yep. Okay, the last weird thing that I found was evidently it's called Pizza Prince. Enable edible image decoration. So you, <laughs> so you put you put this pizza in the oven, and for somehow I guess you put a print in the middle of the cheese, and it bakes it onto the pizza, so you can have a spider sense Spider Man crawling at you in the middle of your pizza. This is too Wait, weird. A spider crawling in the middle of your pizza. Yes. Who's gonna, have you who's gonna, have you seen this? Who's gonna want a spider crawling on their pizza? <laughs> Somebody younger than you, sir. I mean, it's, it's, it's a spider man. So it's a grown man on your pizza. Oh, okay. Well, that makes it a little better. I'd rather have a human <laughs> being on my pizza than an insect. Or excuse me, spiders are not insects. Arachnids are on your pizza. Yeah. What do you think of this, Don? This is probably the most worthless thing that we've had <laughs> in the Spider-Man uh, merchandise chassis. Like, I mean, I, I guess you could pretend that the cheese is blood fluid, but like, I mean, I don't really, I don't really <laughs> blame that this is like a, a Spider-Man thing. This is like a pizza print. I think. I hear that I see the the concept of that, and it's like ah, it's it's really I don't know. I don't I don't want to look at something that I'm eating unless I'm unless it resembles food. So I mean, eh, it's Spider Man, but I, this is lower on the list of weird Spider Man collectibles for me. <laughs> Chris, you're rushing out to the store. Where would they sell this, by the way? Would it be like hanging next to the pizza, the frozen pizzas in the aisle? I mean, what? I have no idea. Floral um, aisle. Yeah, no, I I don't, I don't know the the idea of like. Print, printed pictures on cheese. This is excellent broadcasting we're doing today. Although, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one in, in it's not that. I mean, when you think about it, how how is it that much weirder than the, being frosting on a cake? I mean, you know, we've. Yeah, you that's know, good. It's, it's, I mean, I certainly wouldn't want Spider-Man on my pizza, but it really it isn't that far removed from, you know, putting Spider-Man on your cake. So uh, that, that is true. I guess it's like a question of what we're used to in terms of, like, uh, yeah. people on our food. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, that wraps up. I just had to share the weird collectibles this month because it was very damn strange. Very, very weird. Okay, let's see. Um... Mr. S- we'll talk a little bit about uh, Amazing 700. Spider-Man. The- yeah, we, you want Spider-Man, Amazing 700 or Spider-Man? What do you like? Flip a coin. Let's get let's do Spider-Man. But Tony wants to talk about that. Evidently, it's been rele- released that it's uh, the Spider-Man miniseries. I was incorrect. It's not going to be a team of Spider-Man like the Avengers. It uh, is evidently the 616 Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker, going to go travel to the Ultimate Universe, or maybe Miles is... No, I think Spider-Man's going to Ultimate. Uh, And going to meet Miles Morales in the Ultimate Universe and find out that the young Peter Parker died, and this kid has taken over the webs, and Aunt May is doing yoga. Uh, (laughs) He's a lot younger. So what do you guys think of, and, and the, the, the fan outrage, or if you can call it that, is that Joe Quesada said that once we start combining the two, we've officially run out of ideas. And then Quesada backtracked a little bit. And I'm, yeah, everybody I'm, in, in, like, on the internet like took that quote, thought they were funny, and I said, well, isn't this a coincidence? Joe Quesada went back on something he said. What a laugh. Wah, wah, wah. Hit it, Don. What do you think? Um, when I first saw this idea, I mean, you guys talked about this. We talked about this a couple months ago, like, this possibility. I think you, we, yeah. you, Brad, said that, like, you know, you want it to be like this. And, um, I think it's cool. 
one thing I disagree with is that I think in the press uh, quote or whatever, Axel Alonso said, it's finally time that Miles Morales met Peter Parker. I do think that Miles isn't as established a hero or character as Peter is. I think if he had like one or two more storylines, then sure. But like in the second storyline, like I don't, I don't think it's time, but I think it's a fun idea. Um, yeah. And what what Bendis writing the the title, it there's not much happens in the book <laughs> with each issue. He's up to issue what nine, and they're already ten, talking nine or ten. They're already talking about uh, team ups, etc. So you don't have much backstory of the character. Well, yet. I, well. Well, because this is a – I forget. This is a miniseries. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, five issues. Okay. I, I would imagine that Bendis would get his act together and like make it, make the story flow at least a little bit. Because um, I, I don't know. I like Michael Brian Michael Bendis. I know a lot of people don't because I do too. he – I don't know. He made Doctor Strange Bond or whatever, some stupid reason. But, but uh, I mean, I, 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 I think that he writes a very good Peter Parker. I really do. And I think that, like, in terms of a, a, the Spider-Man teaching the alternate universe, younger Spider-Man, the ropes – I think he's just the man to do it. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to be brilliant, like Watchmen level, but I'm excited to think it's going to be fun enough. I don't, I don't care that, that they ran out of ideas by switching the universes together. I mean, they have, but it doesn't, that doesn't mean, <laughs> that doesn't make me angry. Um, I, actually, I actually thought there was only a matter of time before they did this. I remember me and Josh were talking on the phone uh, when we were fighting the Sandman that like, he was really surprised that, like, that they actually went on this idea, which is actually kind of a lazy idea, but I'm like, you know, it is, but... Whatever, I'm 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 down for it. Yeah. Uh, and you're gonna pick up the mini? Yes, sir. I am. All right, cool. Chris, what do you think of Miles meeting Peter Parker? Well, the I, old older Peter Parker. I was gonna make a joke about how this must mean Joe Casada's out of ideas, but but now Don's made me feel like such a jerk about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't care. Um, not not, not going to pick it up. I'm not reading <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man. I haven't since Bagley left. Um, I, it's a, It seems gimmicky to me. Maybe it'll have some kind of repercussions that are interesting. I, I just don't see it happening, though, because sort of cross-universe stories usually don't have a long-term impact on either universe. Um, yeah. But, you know... I mean, is there is there any sign that the Ultimate Universe is ending soon? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, if anything, it's just been kicked in the pants again. Because I think maybe what could be cool is if they took, like, the couple worthwhile characters from the Ultimate Universe and had them just move over to the 616 Universe oh. and then just, just end the Ultimate Universe. Um, you mean bring Miles over to a... Uh, yeah, why not? Why not? Like... I don't I don't see what the purpose of the Ultimate Universe is anymore. It's not an easily accessible universe. It has as much continuity as anything that's been around for like 15 years or whatever. Well, they they kind of did that with the Supreme Power. They took the Ultimate Nick Fury and put him in that universe. Yeah, but nobody cares about the, <laughs> a Supreme Power. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe I, I'm I don't mean to like insult like the fans and say that nobody cares about the supreme power so like if you're if you're a fan of supreme power i'm not saying you're nobody but nobody cares about it's not the same so you know i think they could bring miles morales to the real 
Marvel Universe and just so, cancel all the all the I'm titles. intrigued because Josh just wrote in our little chat window of Skype, I have a theory. Don't, don't, don't. So, Josh, what is your theory, sir? Now. Okay. <laughs> it's Spider-Man's 50th anniversary. He has a movie in the theaters. Who's who's in this movie? Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy's in this movie. Now, what has Marvel vowed that they will never do? So bring many back, times. Bring back, bring back Gwen Stacy. And they've been saying at these panels that there's going to be, like, major repercussions, like, in the series to Spider-Man's world. And that Ultimate Gwen Stacy's going to play a big role. And, like, it hit me in the middle of working a few weeks ago. And this is an outrageous theory, and I'm either going to be right on the money or way off. But, you know what? The perfect way for Marvel to have their cake and eat it, too, would be to have uh, Ultimate Gwen cross over in the 616. That's ex- oh, wow. that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like, wow. You know, like, I think that's a great idea because, you know, I don't know what's happened in the last hundred issues or something that I've missed. But the she's ultimate, kind of carnage. Yeah, she's car- no, I, I read that because that, that happened in the, uh, the Clone Saga in Ultimate Spider-Man. And I have read up to that well, point. And what? Oh, go ahead, uh, I was going to say that the Ultimate Gwen Stacy is a great character. Like, you know, I, I mean, she's not Gwen Stacy as we remember her from the 70s, but, you know, she's, uh, not that I remember the 70s, I was not born, but you you know what I mean. Um, But, but she's a, she's an interesting character, and I wouldn't mind having her live on. Here's the thing, well, they could fix it by saying when she goes through the time warp or whatever, it ages her, but she's like a 16-year-old girl, right? And Peter's like a 25-year-old guy. Well, they don't have to date, but, like, it's, they get then why bring her over? They get to be on because. <laughs> and who's doing who's doing dishes in the background? Uh, Star, Starbucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you get the shock in you get the shock impact of having Gwen Stacy in the six one six. So then you're on the front page of CBR and Newsarama. Not that Marvel needs to buy those anyway, but you know you get the shock impact. You get the people buying it. You get to do something big for Spider Man's fiftieth anniversary and the people who are you know watching the movie. You know you get to pander to them by having a Gwen Stacy in the comics. Like oh look, this comic has a Gwen Stacy just like the movie did, and you get like these characters all reacting to her. Like, you got to wonder, how are people like Mary Jane and Peter from our universe going to react to a Gwen from another universe just kind of being stranded there? You oh, know, how... going to write a grown-up grown adult Peter Parker who's still alive. Yeah, it's, um... There's a lot of possibilities. And, to, like, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, this is too perfect for them. Like, if I was Marvel, it would be like... This is your chance. You can have your cake and eat it, too. You, you won't have people saying, you know, you went to the well and you brought back Gwen Stacy from the dead, because no, they didn't. But you basically get, you know, every all the advantages of bringing Gwen back from the dead without without doing it. And it's they've hinted at this. I, I'm so sure they're going to do it. And Bertoni has a very good track record of, because he predicted Flash Thompson years before, or, or months before it happened. Because Dan Scott <laughs> accidentally, Dan Scott, yeah, accidentally told me. He pretty much gave that one to me. <laughs> I had no idea. I, I, I like your theory, Josh. That's really good. It's, JR, what, you think, what do you think of it? I think it's pretty good. Well, wait a minute. Isn't, isn't the ultimate Gwen Stacy skanky? You know, isn't she like skanky Gwen or something? You know, she's not skanky. She just dresses in black. That's not skanky. skanky. She, she was yeah, Hong Kong or something once. Kong like, called her skanky. You know, but anyway, but yeah, uh, she's uh, not the Kong's level. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do I, you know? Uh, 
it's one of those things that at $4 a pop, I probably won't buy it. Uh, and I don't know that I even care about it. Um, geez. Uh, I mean, it's just another Marvel gimmick. I can't, I can't muster enough, uh, emotion to be excited or angry about it. Uh, you know, I understand why they're doing it in a way. I mean, it is Spider-Man's 50th. They've got a, you know, they've got a, an anniversary and a movie coming out and, you know, and, and they're really trying to promote this other, this, this, you know, half black, half Hispanic, um, you know, half, uh, you know, Puerto Rican, half Irish, uh, you know, uh, handicapped <laughs> character, you know, um, who are you talking about, nothing, Miles? Nothing, nothing. I'm, sorry, I'm, just, you know, I'm just being a smartass. Um, I, I, you know, and and, and 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 you know, Joe Casada's, you know, Casada's made enough smug comments that so he deserves to be called out on every one of his contradictions. But he is right in saying, you know, why can't I change my mind if somebody brings me an idea I think is worthwhile? You know, that that's true as well. But you know, like I said, he does deserve to be, you know, called on. A lot of the outlandish things he says. I honestly don't care. I honestly do not care. I probably will not buy it. I do not care. It won't have an impact. I really don't think, you know, not not to uh, not to uh, you know mess with Bertoni's thus far perfect record of anticipating what's going to happen in the Spider-Man universe. But I just don't see it having that much of an impact. And I'm thinking, isn't there a better way of you know, if Peter Parker, want, you know, like Dan Slott says, you know, this is Peter Parker. I mean, Dan Slott describes the idea behind the story better than I think the story is actually going to be. Um, you know, where Peter Parker's able to see the impact that he has, you know, on on the world and on the people he loves when he sees a universe in which he's been removed from it. I can't help but think that story's been done before, but I can't remember if it has or not. But it just seems to me it has been, and if it hasn't, that there's a more effective way of telling that story than this. It's so, a life. I mean, yeah, well, essentially, yeah. It's a wonderful life, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I again, I I don't, you know, I, and I don't care because Bendis is writing it, because I, I, Bendis has, ex, you know, exhausted my patience, you know, uh, particularly... <laughs> Particularly after after what he did here with Norman this last time, you know, and Norman in his Fruit of the Looms, you know. <laughs> you know, a, a purple, I mean, come on, it was a purple floating huge Norman in the Fruit of the Looms. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean can you admit? Can you imagine? The, can you imagine the instructions he gave to the artist? You know, uh, you know how drawers. should I draw Norman? Oh, just make him big and purple and put him in Fruit of the, you know. <laughs> Oh my god. And we'll wrap up the show right about there. Before we go, I want to give another shout out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38 and then go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example is on the Spider Man miniseries, issue number three. Now, you just heard the gang talk about this miniseries where it teams up the 616 Spider Man with Miles Morales from the Ultimate Universe. And the cover price for the book is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com. <laughs>